This edition of Renegade Talk Radio is brought to you by MotorBunny.com, which exists to empower sexually creative experiences. The Motor Bunny is a motorized ride-on-top saddle vibrator that vibrates and rotates, giving you the ride of a lifetime. Similar products have been made famous by the Howard Stern Show, but Motor Bunny is committed to making it much more affordable to uh, hop on. Our program listeners get an exclusive $50 off code. So when you check out MotorBunny.com, remember to enter Renegade50 at checkout. That's Renegade50. You're listening to The World in My Eyes. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Hello, 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 Renegade Nation, Atlanta. And welcome to another episode of The World in My Eyes, where I get the opportunity to share what those crazy voices in my head are saying on a regular basis. And we've spent such a great deal of time getting so very intimate with each other. But in case you're new to the show, well, I am the naughty mistress with the mostest, the melodic goddess, and the deviant diva, naughty Nicole Delacroix. And before we jump into today's topic, I do want to remind each and every one of you naughty little listeners out there that the Renegade Talk Radio Network is growing every single day. We've got a brand new website and you need to make sure that you've got it bookmarked because I promise you this, it's pretty cool. And make sure you're checking out all the fascinating and provocative shows on our website. And don't forget, there's so much more great talk radio on its way to you, so make sure you're checking back in daily. And hey, have you ever thought of being on Renegade yourself? Well, then make sure you go to the website and check out how we can make you into a podcasting hero. That's right, we're going to hook you up with Richie from the infamous Sammy and Richie. And he's going to teach you how to produce your own podcast just like the rest of us. And I promise you this, you don't want to miss what we've got coming up next. All right, well, let's jump into today's topic, my little heathens, because I promise you it's a fun one. And on today's episode of The World in My Eyes, well, we're looking to the holiday for inspiration, and we're going to be talking about, that's right, the real history of Easter. And I promise you this, the story I have for you is one that you probably have never heard before and has absolutely nothing to do with the church or any Christian beliefs. Now, I know all of you already know that Easter Sunday is a festival and holiday that's celebrated by millions of people around the world who honor the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, as described in the New Testament, which was to have occurred over three days after his crucifixion at Calvary. It's also the day that children, and Naughty Nicole, excitedly wait for the Easter Bunny to arrive and deliver treats of chocolate eggs and marshmallow peeps. But Easter was, and still is, what we call the movable feast, 
which is chosen to correspond with the first Sunday following the full moon after the March equinox. And it happens to occur on different dates around the world, since, well, Western churches use the Gregorian calendar, and Eastern churches choose the Julian calendar. So, where exactly did this movable feast begin? And what are the origins of the traditions and customs celebrated on this very important day around the world? Well, most historians, including biblical scholars, agree that Easter, well, was originally a pagan festival. That's right. The word Easter is actually of Saxon origin. The word is actually Estra, the goddess of spring, in whose honor sacrifices were offered somewhere around Passover time every year. But by the 8th century, Anglo-Saxons had adopted the name to designate the celebration of Christ's resurrection. However, even among those who maintain that Easter has pagan roots, there is some disagreement over which pagan tradition the festival actually emerged from. And today, well, we're going to explore some of those little-known stories. And we're going to start with how the holidays name actually came to be, and we're going to be talking about Ostra, the goddess of spring and the dawn. So, Easter is named for a Saxon goddess who was known by the name of Ostra or Estra, and in Germany by the name of Ostara. She is a goddess of the dawn and the spring, and her name derives from the words for dawn, the shining light arising from the east. In fact, our words for the female hormone, estrogen, derive directly from her name. Ostara was, of course, a fertility goddess, bringing in the end of winter with the days brighter and growing longer after the vernal equinox. Ostara had a passion for new life. Ooh, she sounds like my kind of girl. Her presence was felt in the flowering of plants and the birth of babies, both animal and human. The rabbit, well known for its propensity for rapid reproduction, was her sacred animal. Easter eggs and the Easter bunny both featured in the spring festivals for Ostara, which were initially held during the feasts of the goddess Ishtar or Inanna. Eggs are an obvious symbol of fertility, and the newborn baby chicks, an adorable representa representation of new growth. Brightly colored eggs, chicks, and bunnies were all used at festival time to express appreciation for the great Ostara's gift of abundance. But let's talk about the history of Easter eggs and Easter candy, one of my favorite subjects and hopefully one of yours. <laughs> the history of Easter eggs as a symbol of new life well, should come as no surprise, my friends. The notion that the earth itself was hatched from an egg was once, well, widespread and appears in creation stories ranging from Asian to Ireland. Eggs in ancient times in northern Europe were a potent symbol of fertility and often used in rituals to guarantee a woman's ability to bear children. To this day, rural granny women lay midwives or healers in the Appalachian Mountains, still use eggs to predict, with uncanny accuracy, the sex of an unborn child by watching the rotation of an egg as it is suspended by a string over the abdomen of a pregnant woman. Dyed eggs are given as gifts in many cultures. 
Decorated eggs bring with them a wish for the prosperity of the abundance during the coming year. Folklore suggests that Easter egg hunts arose in Europe during the burning times, when the rise of Christianity led to the shunning and persecution of the followers of the old religions. Instead of giving the eggs as gifts, the adults made a game of hiding them, gathering the children together and encouraging them to find the eggs. Some believe that the authorities seeking to find the heathens, uh-oh, we better watch out, right, would follow or bribe the children to reveal where they found the eggs so that the property owner could be brought to justice. And let's talk about green eggs and ham. <laughs> no, not Dr. Seuss. The meat that's traditionally associated with Easter, well, is ham. Though some might argue that ham is served at Easter since it's a Christian meat, prohibited for others by the religious laws of Judaism and Islam, the origin probably lies in the early practices of the pagans of northern Europe. Having slaughtered and preserved the meat of their agricultural animals during the blood moon celebrations, the previous autumn, so that they would have food throughout the winter months, they would celebrate the occasion by using up the last of the remaining cured meats. In anticipation that the arrival of spring, with its emerging plants and wildlife, would provide them with fresh food in abundance, it was customary for many pagans to begin fasting at the time of the vernal equinox, clearing out the poisons and excess weight produced by the heavier winter meals that had been stored in their bodies over the winter. Some have su suggested that the purpose of this fasting may have been to create a sought-after state of altered consciousness in time for the spring festivals. I don't know about you, but I use wine for that. <laughs> One cannot but wonder if this practice of fasting might have been a forerunner of giving up certain things during the Lenten season for the Christians. And chocolate Easter bunnies and eggs, marshmallow chicks in pastel colors, and candies of all sorts, most of which are given out as personalized gifts during Easter. These all have pagan origins as well. That's right. To understand their association with religion, we need to examine the meaning of food as a symbol. The ancient belief that by eating something, we take on its characteristics formed the basis for the earliest blessings before meals as a way to honor the life that had been sacrificed so that we as humans could enjoy life, and presumably for the more recent Christian sacrament of communion as well. Shaping candy, Easter eggs, and bunnies to celebrate the spring festival was, simply put, a way to celebrate the symbols of the goddess in the season while laying claim to the strengths, vitality, growth, and fertility for ourselves. So, my lucky listeners... Let's hop on out to see what our sponsors have to say about all of this. That's right, my dear sweet listeners. We need to drop in on our sponsors and maybe check out a little bit of music. You're listening to The World in My Eyes. I am still Naughty Nicole. And this is Renegade Talk Radio Atlanta. So go grab yourself some jelly beans, some marshmallow peeps, and some chocolate bunnies. And meet me back here after the break. Fellas, didn't get what you were hoping for from Santa Claus this year? Looking to add a little spice to things in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about an adventurous new adult toy or movie? 
Well, then we have an offer that you won't be able to resist. Go to toysforpleasure.vegas and for a limited time, you'll get 20% off store-wide and we'll even throw in free shipping for any order above $100. And no, we're not teasing. So check out toysforpleasure.vegas today and use special offer code BABE69 upon checkout and make sure all your adult fantasies come true with toysforpleasure.vegas today. Remember, use offer code BABE69, that's B-A-B-E-6-9, to receive a 20% discount on your entire order and gift the gift that Santa forgot to give this year. And welcome back, my Renegade Nation heathens! If you're just tuning in, well, you are listening to The World in My Eyes, and I am still the very naughty Nicole, but I'm wearing bunny ears. And today, we are talking about the real history of Easter. And, not to delay it any further, let's jump right back on into it, and let's talk about, well, the goddess Ostara and the Easter Bunny. That's right. Because it's Easter, after all, so we got to talk about the Easter Bunny, right? So, feeling guilty about arriving late one spring, the goddess Ostara decided to save the life of a poor bird whose wings had been frozen by the snow. She made him into her pet, or in some of the versions, um, her lover. <laughs> I do love this goddess so very much. Filled with compassion for him since he could no longer fly, and in some of those versions it was because she wanted to amuse a group of young children, Ostara turned him into a snow hare and gave him the gift of being able to run with incredible speed so that he could protect himself from hunters. In remembrance of his earlier form as a bird, she also gave him the ability to lay eggs, in all the colors of the rainbow no less, but only on one day out of every year. That's right. Although, if anybody's listening out there and paying attention to this, anybody else catch the fact that it's a male hare and he's laying eggs? All right, well, let's keep moving on. Eventually, the hare managed to anger the goddess Ostara, because we're goddesses and we're prickly, what can we say, right? And she cast him into the skies where he would remain as the constellation Lepus, or the hare, forever positioned under the foot of the constellation, you guessed it, Orion the Hunter. He was allowed to return to Earth for one day every year, but only to give his eggs to the children attending, you guessed it, the Ostara festivals that were held every spring. And that's where the tradition of the Easter Bunny began. The hare was considered sacred in many ancient traditions and was associated with the moon goddesses and various deities of the hunt. In ancient times, eating the hare was prohibited, except at the Beltane festivals, which is for the Celts, and the festival of Ostara for the Anglo-Saxons, where a ritual hare hunt would take place. In many cultures, rabbits, just like eggs, were considered to be potent remedies for fertility problems. The ancient philosopher-physician Pliny the Elder prescribed rabbit meat as a cure for female sterility, and in some cultures, the genitals of the hare were carried to avert barrenness, because carrying a pair of rabbit balls is basically going to help you have a baby. Yeah, 
just let that one sink in for a second, guys. <laughs> medieval Christians. Oh, I love my medieval Christians. They are so fucking crazy. I love them. Medieval Christians considered the hare to bring bad fortune, saying witches changed into rabbits in order to suck the cows dry. Because <laughs> what do witches do? We suck the cow dry, right? <laughs> Given their mad leaping and boxing displays during mating seasons, as well as their ability to produce up to 42 offsprings every spring, it's kind of understandable that they, that they came to represent lust, sexuality, and excess in general. And that's why Christians believe that the hair is an evil omen. That's right. It was claimed that a witch could only be killed by a silver crucifix or a bullet when she appeared as a hare. I wonder if that's where we got the werewolf thing from. Hmm, possible. Who knows? In later Christian tradition, the white hair, when, depi when depicted at the Virgin Mary's feet, represents triumph over lust or the flesh. Yeah, I'm not buying that one either. The rabbit's vigilance and speed came to represent the need to flee from sin and temptation and a reminder of the swift passage of life. Yeah, again, those medieval Christians, they're so fucking crazy. And finally, there is one very sweet Christian legend about a young rabbit who, for three days, waited anxiously for his friend, Jesus Christ, to return to the Garden of Gethsemane not knowing what had become of him. Early on Easter morning, Jesus returned to his favorite garden and was welcomed by the little rabbit. That evening, when the disciples came to the garden to pray, still unaware of the resurrection, they, they found a clump of beautiful larkspurs, each blossom bearing the image of a rabbit in its center as a remembrance of the little creature's hope and faith. I read enough about that Christian crap, right? Let's talk more about Ishtar, the goddess of love, and the first resurrection. And this is also known as the legend of Inanna. So Ishtar and Inanna are the same, but we're gonna go up. we're gonna go with Ishtar because Inanna makes me think of banana, and I'm just gonna start going nana nana. All right, so Ishtar is the goddess of romance, procreation, and war in ancient Babylonian and was also worshipped as the Sumerian goddess Inanna, one of the great goddesses or mother goddesses. The stories of her descent to the underworld and the resurrection that follows are contained in some of the oldest writings that have ever been discovered. The Babylonian creation myths Enumu Elish and the story of Gilgamesh. Scholars believe that they were based on the oral mythology of the region and were recorded about 2100 BCE. That was before Christ, guys. That's right. There was a resurrection story before Christ. The most famous of the myths of Ishtar tells of her descent into the realm of the dead to rescue her young lover, Tammuz, a vegetation god who was forced to live half the year in the underworld. I don't know about you, but I'm liking these goddesses. They, one, like to fuck a lot, and they've got lovers all over the place. I'm liking them. Why did we ever stop? Yeah, no, never mind. Let's not go there. All right. So Ishtar approached the gates of the underworld, which was ruled by her twin sister, Eresh Kigel, the goddess of death and infertility. And Ishtar was refused admission. Big surprise, right? Twins. They're always fighting. Similar to the Greek myths of Demeter and Persephone that came later, during Ishtar's absence, the earth grew barren since all acts of procreation ceased while she was away. 
Ishtar screamed and ranted that she would break down the gates and release all of the dead to overwhelm the world and compete with the living for the remaining food unless she was allowed to enter and plead her case to her twin. Needless to say, she won admission, but the guard, following standard protocol, refused to let her pass through the first gate unless she removed her crown. At the next gate, she had to remove her earrings, then her necklace at the next, removing her garments and proud finery until she stood humbled and naked after passing through the final and seventh gate. In one version, she was held captive and died, but was brought back to life when her servant sprinkled her with the water of life. In the more widely known version of the myth, Ishtar's request was granted, and she regained all of her attire and possessions as she slowly re-emerged through the gates of darkness. Upon her return, Tammuz and the earth returned to life. Annual celebrations of this day of joy were held every year around the time of the vernal equinox. And guess what? Those celebrations became the forerunners of the Ostara festivals that welcomed Ostra and the arrival of spring. So let's talk about Easter history, the Christians and the pagan traditions interwoven. That's right. The history of Easter reveals rich associations between the Christian faith and the seemingly unrelated practices of the early pagan religions. Easter history and traditions that we practice today evolved from pagan symbolism, from the ancient goddess Ishtar to Easter eggs, and even the Easter bunny. Easter, perhaps the most important of the Christian holidays, celebrates the Christ's resurrection from the dead following the death on Good Friday, a rebirth that is commemorated around the vernal equinox. Historically, a time of pagan celebration that coincides with the arrival of spring and symbolizes the arrival of light and the awakening of life around us. Easter eggs, the Easter bunny, the dawn that arrives with resurrection of life, and the celebration of spring all serve to remind us of the cycle of rebirth and the need for renewal in our own lives. In the history of Easter, Christian and pagan traditions are gracefully interwoven. And with that, my lovely heathens, we've come to the end of our episode. And I do thank you for joining me today. Go out and get yourself some peeps. Peeps! I hope that you'll take some time to reach out to me because I would love to hear from you. You can find me at my website, www.nicole-delacroix.com, on Twitter at at Nicole Delacroix, or you can even send me an email at naughtynicolerenegadetalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to get your favorite Easter bunny a copy of my book, Sexual Confessional, Confidential Admissions from Social Media. And on that note, that's all the time we have for today. And I do want to thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio Atlanta. And don't forget to tune in next time. Until then, remember this. If you see a rabbit laying little brown eggs, for God's sakes, don't eat them. They aren't chocolate. That's right. See you next time, my precious little heathens, and happy Ostra. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.